0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, so let's start with... Laura, school. Mom, just two
1: minutes. My recital's tomorrow. I know, you can stream your lesson in the car.
0: With total dedication backed by Ireland's best-performing mobile network, amazing things can happen.
1: You got it. Enjoy super fast streaming on Vodafone Pay As You Go. Switch today in store or online and get up to €100 Euro off a range of smartphones. Vodafone. Together, we can.
0: Offer subject to availability. Claims based on network test results conducted by Umlaut on three major networks in February and March 2021. Terms apply. See Vodafone.ie for full terms. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Point, Planet F1's very own podcast. In today's episode we're going to be discussing the uh, 2020 Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix, which is a real handful to say, I don't know why they didn't just call it the San Marino Grand Prix, uh, that took place at Imola. It was, again, won by Lewis Hamilton and I think maybe the most significant talking point of it was the fact that Mercedes have won yet another Constructors' Championship are they the most dominant force in Formula One ever? Um, well, before we get into that, it's uh, joining me as always is the Planet F1 editor, Michelle Foster. So Michelle, obviously you got some memories of Imola from uh, back in the early 2000s. How do you think it is as a, as a, as a modern F1 track?
1: Yeah, it's definitely not a modern F1 track, That's, that has to be said. Um, it's beautiful, the lines are fantastic, but unfortunately it didn't make for a really exciting Grand Prix with a lot of overtaking. But I don't know, there was still, there was something about it. Maybe it was just because it's Mlo and the history that, that comes with that circuit.
0: Yeah, I think the history definitely played a part. Um, I just, you know, I think the drivers said it as well, you know, they just said how it was a classic track and yeah how it makes it yeah a bit more exciting to drive even though yeah like you said it's not the best not the best place for overtaking for sure um but thank god for a safety car you know we still got a decent race because of that um well yeah let's get into it and um like i said obviously lewis hamilton won uh valtteri bottas second and they sealed yet another constructors championship uh, i think that's 7 in a row now um, before we go into that, just you know, taking a look at the the battle for the win, a lot of luck fell Lewis Hamilton's way for sure. Uh, a virtual safety car came out at the perfect time for him. Bottas seemed to get pick up some pretty heavy damage to his floor uh, in lap two. But uh, so, what do you think? Was it all luck for Hamilton, or do you think it was a, a deserved win?
1: Yeah, I, I think very much the gods are lining for Hamilton. Um, they decided he. He gets the record and he gets more records and more records. It really was it, it, there was a lot of luck involved in it, like you say, in Bottas's car troubles and the timing of the virtual safety car. But I mean, once again, Hamilton was perfection. I mean, he he was the last of the top three to to put. Um, asked Mercedes to extend his extend his first stint. Um, and responded to that by laying down purple lap after purple lap after purple lap. I mean, like I've said, and like we've said many a times before, the guy is just absolutely sublime when his head's in the right space. He's just he's incredible, and yeah, one could argue you make your own luck. I mean, even Valtteri Bottas wasn't going to uh, wasn't going to hammer on about that one. You know, there were some questions about the fact that at Portugal he wasn't allowed to choose his own tyre strategy, and yet here. Sort of Hamilton got to got to determine his strategy by staying out longer, Um, but I mean even Bottas has come out saying you know it's it's two different stories, two different scenarios, and well done to Lewis. He had the pace, and boy did he have the pace.
0: It's hard not to feel bad for Bottas in a way, really, Uh, because like you said, obviously he wasn't given the chance to choose his own strategy, whereas. Uh yeah, Hamilton yesterday kind of just decided that he didn't want to come in and pit, stayed out, and well, it turned out to be a much better strategy. Um, Not just shown by him, but you know, you look at Kimi Raikkonen, it worked out pretty well for him as well. Um, Which, I don't know, it does make me wonder what Mercedes were thinking in bringing Bottas in so early. Uh, and the same with Red Bull and Verstappen, but I guess they just didn't think that the medium ties would last as long as they did. But yeah, another win for Hamilton, and it was a pretty... Even Bottas was fairly happy, I think, at the end of the race, Um, although he didn't do too much champagne spraying, because, yeah, Mercedes sealed another Constructors title. Uh, Like I said, that makes it seven in a row, and none of them have been close, really. You know, they had a few years where Ferrari had a decent car as well, but even then, the fight for the Constructors wasn't particularly tight. You know, when you think back to Ferrari of the early 2000s, Red Bull of the early 2010s, how does this Mercedes team compare? Is it the most dominant team you've seen in Formula One?
1: I think it's definitely the most dominant. I mean, like you said, okay, A, they've managed to do seven in a row, no one's ever done that before. Ferrari previously had six from 1999 to 2004. So, I mean, this Mercedes run is unprecedented, but no one's even challenging them for the Constructors' titles. I mean, they're taking it with four races, five races, three races to to spare each and every season. It's just absolutely phenomenal what they're doing. And even though they came into this year's championship with six, six titles already and six doubles at that. They brought out DAS, you know. The team hasn't stopped innovating. They haven't stopped trying. And it's just, it's absolutely phenomenal to see. There is no complacency in the Mercedes mindset at all. Um, and yeah, next year, here comes number eight, probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, stable regulations. theres um, It's pretty certain, to be honest, unless Red Bull have a real step up uh, and get a good driver in the car. Um, but yeah, I mean... Obviously, in a way, it's good having Mercedes in the sport. I mean, you know, because they they make the best car possible. You know, they make the fastest technology. They bring the best technology to Formula One, um, which, you know, is good. You know, you want the best cars. You want the best technology. But on the other hand, uh, as a spectacle, it's not it's not the best, I don't think, um, especially when you've got a clear number two in, in that car who can't challenge Hamilton. Um, so I mean, considering all the factors, do you think it's do you think it's good for the sport, or do you think this this dominance is starting to to hurt the sport?
1: Yeah, I think in some respects it is good for the sport because, like like Michael Schumacher said many years ago, you know records are there to be broken, and Hamilton's now broken that win record this year. He's going to equal the championship record. The CDs have set a new one for constructors' titles. So I, I mean, I'm asking Toto really, really nicely enough. Yeah, just let somebody else into the game next season, please. We'd really appreciate it. It does unfortunately detract. I mean, you can pretty much start start lap one of a, of a race report writing. You know, Mercedes take the win. Um, I think yeah. I mean, it's been what thirteen races now. Max has won one. Pierre Gasly's won one, and the rest have all gone to Mercedes. So you know, you don't want to take away from them what they've done and what they've achieved. But, yeah, the sport needs more competition. It desperately needs more competition.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it shows in the, you know, the best seasons definitely in terms of a title fight and maybe just in general. um, In the last five or six years were probably 2017 and 2018. um, And that was because Ferrari had built a good car and given Vettel the chance to to fight Lewis Hamilton for the title um, and, I mean, that's how it should be every year, you know. That was, once upon a time, how it was every year. But, yeah, it, it, you can't you can't criticise Mercedes, you know. It's more criticise Ferrari for dropping the ball. Uh, criticise Red Bull for not really ever making too many improvements. Um, I mean, you know, it's not like Mercedes are going to go purposely slower just to make it more entertaining for the fans. Um, just the last word on the team. Obviously, Lewis Hamilton and Toto Wolff have both been there you know, since the dominance started, really. Um, Neither is renewed for next season. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of being assumed that both will stay. But um, whether they do or not, uh, just how how important are they to the running of the team? You know, if they left, do you think they'd still kind of carry on? They'd still win to this level?
1: Yeah, I think it would be an absolute shock for Mercedes if both of them left at the end of the season. Uh, but to be honest with you, I don't see either of them doing it. You know, Toto's come out several times saying that he's a shareholder; he'll be there. He, he's ready. He's ready to pass the baton on to the next person, but that person has yet to be decided, and he's sort of yet to put the framework into place. So I think he's going to resign as as team boss for 2021, maybe even 2022, because of the new rules and the new regulations. Just wanting to keep a stable hand at the top as things change. Um, Hamilton's post-race comments about it's not guaranteed that he's going to be here next year. It's pretty much, it's it's guaranteed. Uh, you know, even Tojo came out afterwards and says he he doesn't think that, that Hamilton won't be re-signing. So, yeah, at some stage it's going to change at Mercedes, but it's not going to change for the next two years, I don't think. And after that, yeah, anybody's guess as to what can happen. I mean, sometimes you have teams change change leadership and it all falls apart and other times they go on to greatness. So, but you kind of get the impression with Mercedes, like whoever Toto hands the reins over to is going to be on a par with him. You know, there's no way that they're going to unfortunately hand it over to someone less than as you kind of get the feeling some other teams potentially in red have done in recent years. So yeah, I'm expecting that when it does eventually come, which will probably be 2023, that whoever picks up picks up the reins from Toto just continues in the same run of form. Uh, it'll pretty much depend on who replaces Lewis Hamilton as the driver, though, as to whether Mercedes will continue their run.
0: You know, you mentioned Hamilton's comments uh, that yeah, there's no guarantee he'll be there next season, but I think that's him just being, I don't know, maybe a bit mischievous uh, because... I think everybody knows he's going to be there next season. You know, why the hell would he leave the best car on the grid just before he can become the well, he can become the sole record holder for the most titles uh, in Formula 1. You know, he's going to he's going to level with Michael Schumacher this year and then next year he can he can become one himself, um become the record holder himself. And with stable regulations, he's probably not going to do that if he leaves Mercedes. So yeah, I don't know, maybe 2022 he could be leaving for, but next season, I'd say it's pretty guaranteed. And then in terms of when he leaves, I guess, you know, you'd think they'd go for Max Verstappen to replace him unless George Russell stops crashing under safety cars. Um, and it's a total wolf, I don't know, maybe James Allison's at the team, maybe he's wanting him too. He's spoken about, you know, taking someone under his wing at the team. So, I don't know, we'll see. But to be honest, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's something that we have to really think about too much in the near future. Um definitely definitely not with, not for next season. Um but yeah, congratulations to Mercedes. Seven world titles and um can't wait for next year and recording the podcast talking about eight world titles. It's uh yeah, I'd say it's pretty certain at this point. Uh joining them on the podium was not Max Verstappen for once because his car just failed him. Uh it looked like a rear puncture um of some sort. But yeah, that led to Daniel Ricardo. Finishing there for the second time in three races. Um, obviously, like Hamilton, he got his fair bit of luck. You know, he got a retirement to Verstappen. He got a racing point quite baffling in bringing Perez in under the safety car, which handed it to him. But uh, I, he still deserved it, I think, for his drive he was, uh, and his Saturday drive as well. He was generally one of the best of the weekend again. And he's pretty comfortable in P4 in the standings now. Uh, so, brings me the question, Michelle. Daniel Ricciardo, driver of the season,
1: definitely up there. Um, you know, unfortunately, you kind of got to say it's got to go to Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he's he's got ninety three wins. He's he's setting records. He's winning a seventh world title. But if you took if you took him out of the equation, then yeah, it's got to be Danny Rick. I mean, he was fantastic on Sunday. Yes, he had the luck of Max Verstappen retiring. Uh, But also, I mean, I wouldn't even call the Racing Point decision luck so much as Renault made the right decision. I mean, everyone went into even qualifying, saying this is a track where it's difficult to follow, it's difficult to pass. So track position is going to be really important. And then Racing Point went and botched Perez's strategy by pitting him. And Renault left... uh, left Danny Rick out and he took third place and fantastic just unfortunately that chewy drinking champagne from someone's shoe I'm really not sure about that
0: yeah I think uh I was excited to see to see him do it uh you know because it's been a while and it's always funny but I really couldn't believe it when he when he handed another shoe over to Hamilton I mean you know in, in, in normal times that's it's pretty gross, but you can kind of laugh about it, you know, if the drivers are up for it. But in times of COVID, I just, I couldn't believe it, you know. I think there must be a pretty big fine coming one or both of their ways, to be honest. But, uh, uh, well, they've got the money, I guess they can afford it. Um, but yeah, that definitely took me by surprise. But uh, yeah, good to see a again, at least. Um, the result put Renault into P3 in the Constructors' standings. Uh, I think they're... One ahead of McLaren in Racing Point. It's, um, yeah, ridiculously close, really. They've ended up with two podiums in three races this season as well. And, I mean, the only reason it's tight, I think, the battle for P3 is because they had a bit of a slow start. Um, Because for a fair while now, they've definitely had the third fastest car on the grid. Um, And they're looking good, to be honest, in terms of the chassis, in terms of the power unit. So, Fernando Alonso... Has he actually made a good career decision for once?
1: For once would be a really good way of putting it. And at the same time, has Danny Rick made a bad one? Uh, Like you said, they went into the season. uh, We were kind of expecting them to be up there with McLaren, but everyone was sort of going, well, it's going to be racing points. He'll be, you know, best of the rest. But yeah, after a bit of a slow start, Renault really found their feet. Uh, Just small little changes along the way, and it's coming right for them the right calls on the pitfall, as well as helping them. Yeah, third in the championship, Alonso joining next season. Uh, will he be fighting for the world title? No. Will he be fighting for podiums? Yes. Uh, and will Danny Rick be regretting his decision? At the moment, it kind of looks like he might, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think if uh, if McLaren were not getting Mercedes engines next season, then I think Ricardo would really be beating himself up because... With the same power unit, Renault and McLaren, it looks like Renault has the upper hand and fairly comfortably in terms of pace to be honest um so yeah, I think the fact that McLaren again in the Mercedes Power unit maybe kind of justifies his decision a bit and makes him a bit less concerned um but it does kind of prove right what Cyril Obbitbu was saying you know when Ricardo announced he was leaving um I think. A bit more loyalty and patience on Ricardo's part maybe could have done him some good there, uh, but I don't know. Only time will tell. You know, maybe it will turn out to be the right decision in the end. Who knows? But yeah, he was P three, and I think we need just need to have a quick mention for P four because it is Danny Kvyat, Ricardo's former teammate in an AlphaTauri, and he he was pretty close to getting the podium. Um, but I mean, alongside, alongside Ricardo, um, Räikkönen, I think. Kvyat was really the standout driver of the day. Um, and it came at a time when it looks pretty certain that Alfa are going to be dropping him and giving Yuki Tsunoda a chance instead. Um, which is, I don't know, it seemed, it seemed justified, I think, a few weeks ago. But, you know, he's had some good form and now it's looking pretty harsh. Um, I don't know, do you think he deserves that seat for next season?
1: No, really, I don't. Uh, when you compare him to Pierre Gasly and what Pierre Gasly has done this year, I think AlfaTauri is right in in putting somebody else in the car. Uh, personally, though, I thought uh, that person that was going to be in the in the second AlfaTauri was going to be Alex Alban. He's uh, he's not doing very well hanging on to his Red Bull seat. I reckon it's only a matter of time then. Uh, but yeah, it looks like Danny K's Formula One days are, are pretty much over, yeah? which is which is a pity because, I mean, he showed on Sunday that he actually does have what it takes and he is a really good driver when he wants to be. The problem with Daniel Kivett is consistency. Yeah,
0: I mean, ultimately, that's what lost him that red bull seat. Well, and the fact that Max Verstappen happened to be at Toro Rosso at the time. Um, yeah, I think in a lot of ways, it is a bit of a what-if career for Kvyat, really, because you know, his first year at Red Bull, he beat Daniel Ricciardo. He got more points than him, but then made one mistake and it was the excuse that Red Bull needed to get Max Verstappen in the car. Um, from there, I think he did well to get back uh, to Toro Rosso uh, after being dropped and after suffering pretty bad mentally, I think. But yeah, like you said, compared to Gasly this season, it does not it's not a favourable comparison. And yeah, I guess in a way... Why not for AlphaTauri, you know, if it's going to be the number two driver, why not just give a young guy a chance? At least he could be going out on a high. Um, Yeah, further down the order, I think, you know, at face value, the most obvious things to talk about are Alex Albon and Sebastian Vettel. Again, not being particularly good compared to their teammates, but that is, yeah, we discussed that in depth last week. And, I, you know, I don't want this podcast just to become... The roasting of Alex Albon and Sebastian Vettel. Uh, There's there's enough people doing that and, you know, don't just want to end up repeating ourselves. So um, let's talk about George Russell instead. That's someone who we haven't really spoken about much on the podcast this year. Um, But sadly, today it is not going to be for the right reasons because he should now have a point to his name. He should get that huge uh, monkey off his back of being of uh, going so long without scoring a point but he didn't he was p10 under the safety car with not long left maybe 10 laps left um and he pulled a Grosjean he just binned it straight into the wall there was no touch no Marcus Ericsson looming and it's not the first time that he's been in this position where he should have scored points and kind of screwed it up Uh, it's a bit like you know Nico Hülkenberg failing to score a podium it seems as soon as it's in reach he just kind of crumbles. Um, yeah, he did it last season in, in Germany when Kubica ended up with it because Russell went wide. So for Mercedes particularly, given he's their future, I mean, you'd think once Hamilton goes. Do you think this is a concern that he's um, he's making these kind of mistakes, especially yesterday's?
1: You know what, I think in general, when we speak about George Russell, it's always very positive. I mean, he's he's pretty much doing stuff in that Williams that, that nobody thought was possible. But a large, like you said, a large part of those things will be happening on a Saturday. On a Sunday, the team is really lacking in, in pace in race trim. Um, and, yeah, you know, on the one hand... I really do believe that Mercedes should have put Russell in the car for next season to so give him a chance in the in this fantastic uh, Mercedes and up against Lewis Hamilton, learning something from Lewis Hamilton. But then he goes and makes a silly mistake like Sunday. Um, I'm not going to damn him for one mistake. It's not, it's not often that George Russell makes a huge mistake, but this was a huge one. The poor chap was super embarrassed. I mean, he just sat on the ground with his helmet on
0: not wanting
1: to acknowledge the world in any way uh, and he, he completely accepts it it's his mistake you know and it's it's a really daft mistake and Williams and Mercedes I think we'll both be hoping that that he really learns from it i don't think we'll ever see him do it again um yeah i don't think it's going to be a black mark against his record though in the long in the long run i think uh, give a week or two and we're all going to forget that he did this
0: yeah i mean ultimately he He just needs to score a point, basically. Uh, And then everyone will forget about it, I think. It's just... Yeah, it's one of those things, the longer it goes on, the harder it gets to do it, I guess, you know, for him finishing in the top 10. Um, I mean, thankfully, he is still quite a way off Luca Badoa's record of uh, competing in the most races without scoring a point. So there's still that. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, he doesn't really make those mistakes too often. Um, Though I do think he needs to shake off that tag of Mr. Saturday because... At the end of the day, where you finish on Saturday, doesn't really matter if you don't perform on Sunday. Um, I mean, hypothetically, if you know, if um, Hamilton decided to leave at the end of the season, or if Russell ended up w- without a seat and Mercedes wanted to give him one and thought about swapping him for Bottas, um, do you think, despite this mistake and others, do you think he'd be ready for that for that
1: drive? I think maybe even because of this mistake, he'd be more ready for that drive. You know, Like I said, lesson learned. Um, not going to damn the kid over this one. It was it was a daft mistake. Uh, it happens, unfortunately. Unfortunately, though, the fact that it happens to the likes of Roman Grosjean means that there really is like a big black mark to that one. But I think if Mercedes were to put George Russell in the car, I think he'd rise to the challenge. I, I really believe that. I mean... I know Nicholas Latifi is ahead of him in the standings by virtue of P elevens and stuff. But you, you kind of get the feeling from George like he also gets a lot of bad luck. I mean, I can't think which race it was earlier in the season where there was there was a red flag and the others were allowed to unlap themselves and that cost him a definite point, if not even two. You know? So yeah, I think I think George is gonna come back from this stronger. I hope George is gonna come back from the stronger.
0: Yeah yeah me too definitely it's uh we need all the good good young drivers we can get the more the merrier um this last word on him obviously there were there was talk that Williams were thinking of dropping him and getting Sergio Perez in for a number of reasons they've now decided not to do that it seems confirming Russell and Latifi for next season um obviously Perez is a great driver What do you think in the team's decision there do you think it was the the right call um assuming that you know they did have the choice of getting Perez in do you think it's the right call keeping Russell over over checker
1: you know to be honest I don't think Sergio Perez would have wanted to climb into Williams um I don't think it was ever genuinely on the cards so I mean George George said like potentially this is Perez's people just trying to stir the pot with Red Bull uh, and I think that probably was the case. I mean, why would you be Sergio Perez, a, a podium finisher in Formula One, a regular point scorer and go and run at the back of the field? I, I just don't see that actually happening.
0: No, it looks like looks like Perez's only option is Red Bull. Well, it is his only option is Red Bull now. Um, same with Nico Hülkenberg and same with Alex Albon. and. Of those three, I know which one I definitely wouldn't choose. But uh, anyway, yeah, that was the race at Imola. There's four left of the season. Go, I know it's a short one, but it still feels like it's gone quickly since we started uh, back in July in Austria. Um, next up in two weeks is Istanbul. Going back to Istanbul for the Turkish Grand Prix. Uh, I mean, that's a, it's a popular track amongst fans um, and just spectators in general. One of the... Considered one of the best of the, of, you know, the kind of newest tracks. I can't wait to go back there. Are you excited for it?
1: Yeah, I'm going to sound looking forward to it. I mean, we haven't been to Istanbul, I think, since 2011, which was during the Red Bull times. So it's it's nice to head to a track as well that doesn't have Mercedes, 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 Mercedes as the, as the most recent race winners. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, unfortunately, I think we might be adding Mercedes as the most recent race winner.
0: Yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe Hamilton and Bottas will uh have a kind of Webber Vettel moment that came in uh 2010. But yeah, anyway, that's in 2 weeks time. So, yeah, we've got a bit of a break, but yeah, we'll be back here on the Monday afterwards to discuss it. And just a reminder that Formula 1 is going back to a 3-day race weekend for it. So, check out the Formu- uh, the Planet F1 website for all the live coverage from FP1 on Friday all the way to all the way through to the race on Sunday. Um, Michelle, well, th- as always, thanks for coming on.
1: It's always a pleasure.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening as always, as well as the website planetf1.com. Make sure to keep an eye on our social media channels. Uh, our Facebook is simply Planet F1 and our Twitter is Planet underscore F1. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, then be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because, yeah, it really helps us out. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Looking to upgrade your technology? At Harvey Norman, we have the biggest brands in stock today. Like the Samsung Galaxy Book S laptop with Intel Core i5 processor. Now only 919 save 280 euro. Or get the Samsung Galaxy Watch active. Packed full of features to help you reach your fitness goals, now only 159 save 30 euro. And this bank holiday weekend, we're matching all competitors' prices. Call in store or shop online today. Harvey Norman, your technology specialists.